What is going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host, and I am live in Boulder, Colorado, coming to you on August 24th, 2017. We are about a week away from the start of the season, I guess at least officially, although there are games kicking off on Saturday, but it's right around the corner. It's right here, and this is another episode of the 2017 Opponent Preview Series podcast. And before we get into today's episode on the Nebraska Cornhuskers, just want to remind you that you can go to soundcloud.com slash landgrantholyland or go on to Apple Podcasts, search The Hangout in the Holy Land, and you can find all of our old episodes there. Make sure to subscribe. Tell a friend if you like the podcast. Leave some feedback for me. You can also send me a tweet at Dubsco and let me know about what you think about the podcast. But enough of all that. Let's get into today's episode, and we are going to talk about Nebraska. And to do that, I am joined by one of the managing editors for SB Nation's Cornhusker site, cornnation.com. His name is Brian Toll. Brian, what's going on, man? Colton, what it is, it's it's good. Season's almost here where we can finally get going on some stuff. Yeah, we are, we're here, man. It's, it's game time, and I'm excited to get this particular episode of the podcast kicking and hear your thoughts on Nebraska. And when you look at the program, starting year three under head coach Mike Riley, how would you assess how the first couple of years have gone under him? I, I think it's easy to say that it, it's been a learning process for both the both Riley and the fan base. When he was hired, we kind of all wondered why. And he answered, you know, in the initial presser, you know, why he wanted to come to Nebraska. And, and I think what happened is the first year, you know, Nebraska experienced a lot, a lot of bad luck. The way they lost against BYU in the opener kind of snowballed the entire season. That being said, Nebraska has done a little better. Year two, the recruiting got a little better. The results of the game, games got a little better, save Ohio State, because, you know, that was over before the second set. But I think Nebraska got better, but now it's kind of in a, kind of in this little revolutionary thing where Nebraska is really kind of revamping both the offense and the defense, and nobody really knows what to expect. And it's kind of scary. It's kind of fun to think about. On offense, you're losing a four-year starter and a guy that, in all honesty, really didn't fit the offense, but they made it work. And on defense, you know, Mike Riley took a guy that he worked with for 14 years, 15 years, and pretty much fired him on the phone in an airport to get the man they wanted in Bob Diaco. And Bob Diaco has not only changed, you know, he's brought his mindset in, but he's also brought in a new scheme, um, new positions for a lot of new guys. It's really interesting to see what Nebraska is going to look like this year. We we really don't know, you know, all of us – in, in at coronation we really don't know how it's going to look there there's a quarterback that you know is it's kind of in Tanner Lee he's kind of stunk a little bit at Tulane but a lot of people pimp him as as, as an NFL prospect you know and it's going to be interesting to see what this offense and defense does throughout the entire year are they players in the west we have no idea yet we have no idea how this is going to mesh this may mesh great this may suck out loud <laughs> well a lot of range of options it seems like for Nebraska but you mentioned that recruiting is on the upswing, and you look at their 2017 class, they finished 23rd in the 24-7 sports composite. They have 10 current commits in this year's cycle. What stood out about their recruiting and kind of their strategy for recruiting? Because 
growing up in Colorado and, and watching CU in Nebraska back in the Big 12, I remember it was always hitting Texas really hard. And I, I know that they still, it's not like they've abandoned that strategy, but every time I look at anything Nebraska recruiting, it seems like Los Angeles is the place for them now to get high level talent. Yeah, definitely. The uh, the theme last year was Calabrasca. They took three kids out of, uh, took a lot of kids out of Nebraska, out of California, especially the Calabasas program. Keyshawn Johnson, you know, is not going to be with them this year. Um, really had issues this this summer. Kind of, kind of issue. Kind of like the Stars kid, where his dad kind of said, you know, you're not going to, you know, he's te- technically still enrolled with Nebraska. He's just not in Lincoln, taking online courses. Um, Tristan Gebbia, the quarterback that they took, who is really turning heads in Nebraska, and there's talk that he's the second string, uh, possibly heading into the season. And there's other guys like Tajon Lindsay, who Ohio State fans may still kind of be better at, um, flip from the Buckeyes to the Huskers near close to the end there near signing day. Um, and, and there's a lot of other guys that Nebraska really kind of took off. And I think the big difference between Mike Riley and Bo Pelini is Mike Riley's willing to fight a lot of these fights with a lot of high-end schools. Like uh, if you look right now, you know, we could talk about this season – uh, the big name Nebraska and Ohio State are fighting against is Micah Parsons, you know, the five-star uh, defensive end out of Pennsylvania. Um, with Bo Pelini, Bo Pelini probably would shy away from that, try to look for some guys that maybe quote unquote under the radar, um, diamonds in the rough, whatever you call them. Mike Riley and his staff, you know, they're they're willing to hear no, they're willing to hear, you know, they're they're not they're willing to take the one guy if it means ten losses from other stuff. Uh, it was really evident this year. Foster Sorrell really kind of liked Nebraska, but he had a pick at Stanford. Um, a couple other guys really kind of, you know, jo- Joseph Lewis out of Hawkins, the Isaiah Bridges dude that went with Hawkins, Joseph Lewis, USC. They fought with Nebraska for the longest time. Joseph Lewis took three visits to Nebraska and didn't pick it. So I think what the big thing is Nebraska's selling right now, and you can kind of, you'll see it on the two deep, but Nebraska's selling early playing time, especially at wide receiver, especially in the defensive backfield. Nebraska's really going to start getting young a little bit. They took a lot of linebackers for the first two years. And with the switch to 3-4, they're going to play a lot of linebackers. Guys like Avery Roberts, the uh, the guy they pl- pretty much plucked out of Penn State's backyard in Delaware. And there's a couple under-radar guys they got in Texas and Damian Daniels and um, DeAndre Thomas. And they're going to be playing nose tackle and defensive tackle in this 3-4. And they're looking to play right away. It's not where they show up, red shirt, get beefed up a little bit. They're going to play right away. Tajon's going to play right away. Could even start during conference season. So I, I think Nebraska has a selling point where if you're good, you're going to you're going to have a chance to play and pro- probably start as soon as you get to campus. And, and that's just going to be the same thing with this new class, you know, especially wide receiver, especially at cornerback and, and safety. You know, Nebraska has to replace a lot of guys in the secondary here coming up pretty soon. They got a couple seniors they got to replace and Chris Jones and Josh Ballou at safety and cornerback. And, you know, if they can get a guy like a uh, Brendan Riley Hiles to come in and start right away with Lamar Jackson, the sophomore out of uh, the sophomore cornerback who took his lumps last year, but you know, it, they proved that they're willing to play kids right away. And I think that's a really big deal at Nebraska, especially when, you know, the 500 mile base is good at times. It's good for Nebraska here with in Missouri, in Missouri this year, but, Nebraska's had to go out of that 500-mile base to get some really star players, and they're playing right away. And, and I think one thing that Mike Riley gets is, you know, he's kind of the whole Nebraska brand 
as you've seen lately, you know, the whole Chance the Rapper thing, the whole Kendrick Lamar ticket thing we saw a couple weeks, a week or two ago. You know, Mike Mike's willing to adapt and go after guys, you know, get, get do things that are just out of the out of the comfort level a little bit for Nebraska's brand. But he's also willing to go, you know, get guys. He's willing to go get the Baviatos. He hired Dante Williams from Arizona, who's probably one of the top ten recruiters, you know, on the West Coast. And and it's made a difference. It's made a difference in getting talent to Lincoln. It's getting you know, Keith Williams, as much as Ohio State fans, you know, love the beef between zone six and wideouts. You know, Zach Smith versus Keith Williams are two very good recruiters, and, and that's just the honest truth. And it's kind of interesting to see how Williams has got, you know, he's he's gotten kids to Lincoln. Um, he hasn't filled his quota yet, but he's gotten quality kids to Lincoln. Javion McQuitty is a good kid out of uh, out of Columbia, Missouri. He's going to miss the season with an ACL tear. Um, but he can get talent to Lincoln. Joshua Moore, he plucked right out of Texas A&M's eyes. You know, it's, it, if, if Nebraska's talent level gets better, and, and – we and we get that, you know, there's Ohio State, Penn State, and, and the rest of the conference. And I think Nebraska fans realize that. If they're the best in the West year in and year out with a puncher's chance to win the Big Ten, I think that's really all Nebraska at right now in the next four to five years. And I think that's very fair to say, you know, be the best in the West division, be better than Wisconsin, be better than Iowa, be better than Northwestern or, or row the boat or whatever, you know, Minnesota. If, if you can if you can be the best of that group for the next few years and have a chance to win the Big Ten year in and year out by getting to Indianapolis, I think Nebraska fans will take that more than anything. In these previews, I try to get a sense of each program's overarching theme or feel for the season. What do you think Nebraska's is this year? What's going to define this team? I think Nebraska's going to be defined at what they do on offense. Um, And what you're going as you're going from a four-year guy, Tommy Armstrong, who really wasn't the best thrower, but he could he could keep defenses honest with his feet. Um, He's going. You're going from a guy who had one, two progressions um, through arm punts and everything like that. You're going to a guy who who really you know understood the offense, but couldn't couldn't execute it. To a guy like Cantor Lee, who you know, we saw in the spring game he had, had three, four progressions, five progressions, um, had the screen game going. Nebraska's going to be a big screen team this year. Uh, bubble screens, uh, wide receiver screens, regular screens. Nebraska's going to re- utilize that a lot. They're going to utilize a lot of, a lot of movement out of the ba- out of the backfield to get people open. And what that's going to do, it's going to have to, it's going to have to spring the running game. The passing game's going to have to spring the running game for the Huskers because. This offensive line is young. They're getting better, but they're still young, and they're not 100% um, as good as Nebraska players. You know, Nebraska fans want them to be. Um, will they be better? Probably. Um, will they struggle against some teams? Definitely. Um, there's no doubt about that. But if Tanner Lee can keep the ball, you know, it, it, we talked about you know Armstrong being a, a winner, being competitive. Well, Tom Armstrong threw the 53% last year, and uh, Nebraska was. One overtime went away from being 8-0 going into the Ohio State game. So, you know, if you can get 60 65% out of Lee, you probably have a really good chance to win the West. Tanner Lee doesn't have to win a lot of games, but he has to make sure he doesn't lose a lot of games for the Huskers. Um, and I think that's what happened with Tommy. He lost more games than he won through time, through his four-year career. This offense is going to be predicated on misdirection. It's going to be predicated on setting plays up and such like that. They don't have the sheer talent like an Ohio State has. They don't have the, the, the cut runner like the Barkley out of Penn State. 
Um, do they have a couple good backs in Trey Bryan and Divina Zigbo? I think so. But they don't have that just standout talent that makes everybody just, you know, turn their head and, wow, did you see that? So I, I think Tanner Lee's really going to be the big deal to this team and how he goes as well as is going to be how well Nebraska goes. Um, they got to, you know, there's a really hard game, game two. They got to go to Oxen and play an Oregon team that, you know, has a brand new head coach themselves, and they're going to be there's going to be a really big hype train for that game. Um, they get through that game, they could be very well undefeated, as Wisconsin hits town, as Ohio State, you know, Ohio State hits town. Um, if Tanner Lee has a good year, he's probably in Lincoln only one year and goes off to the pros. So. I, I really think as, as Tanner goes, so does this team. And, yeah, Diaco's defense is going to be kind of a question mark, but I think Bob Diaco's defense is going to get better as the season goes along. It's really Tanner Lee who will measure this measure the Nebraska season this year. And there's a lot of people hoping that he's better than he was at Tulane. Yeah, as you mentioned earlier, it depends on who you talk to. Tanner Lee is either the savior of Nebraska football and he's going to be the first quarterback taken in the NFL draft, or he was a kid that struggled at Tulane, and now when you put him up against Big Ten defenses, he's going to be even worse. Yeah, and I and I think what happens is, you know, and you can't ignore the numbers at at Tulane. I think what happens is people see a correlation, and, and there's a fear with Nebraska fans. This is the next, you know, Callahan Sam Keller experiment. And, and and to be to be blunt, Keller wasn't horrible for Nebraska. I mean, he was. I wouldn't say he's great. He was just, you know, the, the big thing Nebraska had against Keller, what Nebraska fans have it against Keller, was that he was a big checkdown artist. He checked down, checked down. To, you know, Marlon Lucky that year was the leading receiver for Nebraska, with 76 receptions, I think. So it, it, Keller wasn't the problem with the, with the uh, team. It was a defense that gave up 72 Kansas and 65 to Colorado the last week of this last month of the season. Um, if this defense is as good as advertised, maybe a little better. If Tanner Lee's better than Nebraska, could max out at even a 10-win team and make Indianapolis. And I think if 10 wins for Nebraska would be absolutely ecstatic. They could go very well, be seven and five if if Lee gets hurt, if Lee has a bad couple games, he'd be, you know, if if it looks bad against Wisconsin, it looks bad against Ohio State. You know, it's a pretty brutal uh, it's a pretty brutal Big Ten schedule for Nebraska because they got to go to Penn State, um, Ohio State comes to town. Um, they have to face an Indiana team that that is not too bad. Plus, they have that silly Friday night game in in Illinois, which has kind of given Nebraska fits the last couple of seasons. So, you know, again, uh, there there's talent behind Tanner Lee. Patrick O'Brien is a redshirt redshirted uh, freshman out of California who was kind of Tristan Gebby before Gebby showed up. There's talent at quarterback for Nebraska, but it's unproven talent. You know, it's it, there's a lot of guys on this team that haven't played. The freshmen's, the uh, the Tajons, the they haven't played a lot. You know, there's there's guys in the defense that haven't played a lot. Josh Kalu hasn't played a game at safety. He's played cornerback. How's he gonna go? Um, you know, the eight, the Eric Lee's who who's a setup as as the corner to replace Chris Jones right now. He hasn't seen in time in a game. A, Avery Roberts, true freshman, hasn't seen time in a game. How's how are they gonna react when the bullets start flying? I think that's what makes Nebraska fans most anxious is. This team looks great on paper, but, you know, there's difference between paper and grass and what do they look like when, you know, we're going to find out against an Arkansas State team this open the season that's really a little better than people tend to 
give them measure for, but if Nebraska can finish the non-conference undefeated, it's going to give them a big boost heading into the Big Ten play. Man, a Sam Keller reference here. That is that is deep cuts here on the hangout in the Holy Land. That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Looking at some of those skill position guys, and you mentioned Ty John Lindsay, who Ohio State fans are familiar with, former Buckeye commit. There's also talent in guys like Stanley Morgan Jr. and DeMornay Pearsonell at wide receiver, who for whatever reason, in different circumstances, haven't been quite able to put it all together. Do you think that they're going to at least have a better shot at that this season? Because whether it's Tanner Lee or any of the other quarterbacks that, like you're saying, the offense is not to say more pro-style in the cliche sense, but at least you're going to have a quarterback that maybe, to your point, goes through progressions a little bit better. The model that everybody talks about is Sean Mannion who Riley had at Oregon State. And I think that would be, if the numbers would be a little better, that would be good. Uh, the problem with Morgan is this. Morgan's going to become the number one receiver. There's no Jordan Westerkamp to take that moniker off. There's no uh, Brandon Riley. There's no Alonzo Moore as a deep threat. Um, Stanley Morgan's going to become the number one receiver, and that's going to be interesting to see how he interacts with that. Um, he's had a couple distractions this offseason. He got um, pinched for allegedly having weed in Florida, and that, that charge was dismissed. Um, DeMornay Pearsonello, that's an interesting story. You know, freshman year, he was he was one of the best punt returners in America, a good receiver, but really kind of the X-factor punt returner that Nebraska had been begging for, heck, ever since the mid-'90s with uh, DeWan Gross and such like that. And then all of a sudden, you know, he got hurt before the season, his sophomore year, kind of rushed him back a little bit. And then that freak injury in Purdue where he literally slipped on a sprinkler head and tore his knee up celebrating a touchdown. Last year he was a little better, but he, you could tell he was kind of timid. And I think this senior season he's looking to make, he's going to get the first chance of punt returns. He's going to get a chance at being that, that receiver that everybody thinks about. And there's a couple other guys. There's uh, J.D. Spielman uh, out of Minnesota. His, his uh, dad is Rick Spielman, who's the general manager of the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, he's this is his second year in the system. Um, you also have Keon Williams, who is Keith Williams' son. Um, maybe not as talented, but definitely knows what's going on uh, route-wise and such in this offense. And, and uh, one more thing that kind of scares everybody about Nebraska, you know, Seathan Carter last year was a pretty good tight end. Kind of, kind of had his issues catching passes, but overall he was probably a pretty good tight end in in blocking and such like that. And the, he graduated. Nebraska lost their top three tight ends on the depth chart, and out of everything returning, they have exactly one catch coming back in their tight end role, and that's a big deal for Nebraska. Um, they need somebody to step up. They have Tyler Hops that looks like he's going to be the starting guy offhand, but they also have talent in uh, Jack Stoll, who's coming in, um, Kurt Rothdahl, who who was an Indiana commit before he flipped to the Huskers after the firing of Kevin Wilson. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how many other guys besides Tajan, besides the running backs? Um, you know, there's there's one name in the running back that I'd like to, you know, notice. His name is Jalen Bradley. He's a true freshman out of Omaha. Probably would have been a four-star um, had he had he qualified any time before the slur. Um, was a really big academic risk. Um, finally got qualified. Nebraska was his first and only real offer. He committed right there on the spot. You know, there's so many pieces of this puzzle, and, you know, and we mentioned Lee is the big one, yeah. But if you can get those, you know, there's a foot, there's only one football and a lot of hands to go around. If Tanner Lee can get the football to the Tajans, to the 
to the hops, to the to the Demorne personnel. And I really want to see if Demorne is really back as, as far as punt returner because as a punt returner his freshman year, he's probably one of the most dynamic players in America. Um, literally flipped the game a couple times. And it's weird to say, but, you know, last year's offense was Tommy, Tommy and some more Tommy and every once in a while somebody else. And without Tommy, Nebraska's going to have to get better. They're going to have to get get more guys involved. But I think the talent level has finally caught up a little bit. Young, but I think the talent level's caught up a little bit to where you can feel comfortable about doing that. Let's talk about Bob Diaco. I could spend a whole podcast just breaking down some of the sheer insanity that was his UConn press conferences, but he has a very successful track record as a defensive coordinator, and, and he gets brought in by Mike Riley. What does he bring to that defense that maybe was missing from the first two seasons in Nebraska? A Red Bull with espresso. <laughs> um, that's it, 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 And, it, you know, nobody really had an issue with Mark Banker, as in, you know, first season his defense is kind of, you know, it, 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 I mean – if there's a poster child game of Mark Banker, you know, you could probably take the Miami game where Nebraska got down real early, made Brad Kaya look like an, like a Heisman player, and then almost almost stole it in overtime. But then we gave up 55 to Purdue, which you can't do that. is third-level hell stuff to begin with. I mean, David Blow's good, but come on. And I think what Bianca brings first up, he brings the energy. You know, and one thing Bo Pelini brought with his defense was energy. Bo was a fiery guy. I mean, you could, you know, there was good fire and bad fire with Bo, but there was always going to be fire. Um, and, and Banker was more of a CEO type of guy who depended on his linebackers coach, his defensive line coach, his secondary coach to bring that fire. Sometimes they didn't, and it didn't look great. Um, there was good Nebraska against Oregon last year. There was bad Nebraska against Iowa last year. I, I think Bob Yaka brings not only the mentality of, the, the energy and everything like that, but he also brings the thought process of the defense has to be attacking Nebraska, you know, Nebraska, Nebraska forced four fumbles last year in 13 football games. That that's, that's, uh, that's awful for lack of a better term. They intercepted the ball a lot. They, they got timely interceptions from Kyron Williams, Chris Jones and such like that. But, Nebraska forced four fumbles last year, and and that's almost just unheard of bad. Um, so what I think Diaco's trying to – I think the theory behind Diaco is he realizes that, hey, um, the 4-3 worked pretty well. The 3-4 is going to work, but right now there's going to be some little super hybrid where um, Nebraska has more defensive tackles, defensive ends than they really want right now, but at the same time their best playmakers are going to be linebackers. Um Luke Gifford is a guy who walked on from Lincoln Southeast, who's probably most athletic guy of the bunch. Um, he's, he's smart. He's a senior. He knows what he's doing. Um, he, he's been there through Bo. He's been there through Mike Riley. Trent Bray's done a great job with him. Um, he's going to be on the field a lot. He's going to replace a guy like Josh Mandaris, who just happened to make every single tackle. It seemed like, you know, the Roberts we talked about, there's, there's, uh, and there's just a litany of linebackers that Nebraska can play standing up. Marcus Newby, who was really more of a pass rusher, but they wanted to put his hand on the ground. Well, now he can stand up in this scheme and get to the quarterback. Um, Freedom Akin Meladium, um, a, a guy who came in as a tight end, has bulked up humongously, now plays defensive tackle. Um, he, he needs to get to the quarterback. And, and the one thing Banker couldn't do very well the last the two years that he was in Nebraska, he could not get to the quarterback with just a four- and five-man front. 
And, and I think Bob Diaco has the one thing that's going to give Bob Diaco success is that he can get to the quarterback with four and five gap fronts because if he can do that and let the let the secondary play a little bit of coverage, especially against a guy like David Blow, against a guy like Clayton Thorson, against the team like Iowa who loves the run play action boot, if they can get to the quarterback without having to sacrifice the extra defender in the backfield, that will make a big deal to Bob Diaco's success in Nebraska. And if he can do that better than what uh, Mark Banker did, then it's it, it really the ten, if the defense can do that as the season goes along and get better at it, then Nebraska could probably, you know, they were 33rd last year in points per game and 34 in total defense. They could put in Nebraska as a top 25 defense, which really kind of would make everybody happy. Um, the one thing I will say about Diaco is I really do think he's staying at Nebraska to get some cred back. I don't think it's a stepping stone job for him to get another coaching job. He understood that. I think he understood that Nebraska was putting their faith in staying here for a couple of years. Um, the, the press have had a little bit of fun with it. Um, he's had some press conferences and you kind of just, you're, you are scratching your head. Uh, <laughs> and you kind of just wonder, you know, how many, how many Keurigs are really through the stadium that he probably sips from every day. But, uh, but, um, but, but the one thing I've heard, you know, and he brought in Bob Elliott who, the, to teach his scheme. They brought in Scott Booker to help out with the scheme. Um, he, he's not been afraid to bring in guys that know what he's doing to help him out. And where it's going to work is, you know, Dante Williams was part of a, he didn't have a great time at Arizona, but he was, Dante Williams was a secondary coach for a really good pass defense at San Jose State a few years back. So if they can match very well, said, get to the quarterback without sacrificing, blitzing all the time. And Bob Diaco's probably going to have a really good defense in Lincoln. So what do you think is the standout trait of this defense? And what worries you most about them heading into the year? My worry, my biggest worry is depth along the defensive line. Just because we don't have, Nebraska doesn't have that many bodies. You know, you, 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 there's only so many 6'2", 350-pound run pluggers you can put in the middle. Okay, and Nebraska didn't have that many to begin with, and two of the ones they're counting on are going to be red, are true freshmen. So my issue is if there's some, there's a, if there's depth issue at the defensive line, what will Nebraska do? Because if, if they can't put in the guys with the size that they want, Nebraska's going to get ran on left and right. Um, that's my big worry. The other worry is, you know, can they stay? Can, can J the Jones injury be the only injury in the secondary? Chris Jones is probably an all Big Ten cornerback uh, um, combine him with you know the Nick uh, Lamar Jackson it's probably it's a pretty good bat secondary back there but they can't take another injury they can't take a Kalu injury they can't take a Kyron Williams injury or an Aaron Williams injury um, Kyron Williams is a really good player but he doesn't think very well Aaron Williams probably a little lesser on the talent level but he he's really a good thinking man's guy he's always in position and never seems to get beat that way so can Nebraska stay healthy in the defense? The, the healthier they are, the better off there will be injuries, but they're, they're key guys. One of them's already gone with Jones. Um, you know, can, can guys like Freedom and Ken stay healthy? Can Mick Stoltenberg, the nose stack, starting nose tackle, stay healthy? Um, can Marcus Newby stay healthy? Can, you know, linebackers not fall, you know, by the wayside? You know, they're deep, but two, in, two or three guys stand out, and all of a sudden you get a little thin, so... 
health is really going to be a big deal for this defense. If they can stay healthy, they'll be really good. Early season, Nebraska starts off with Arkansas State, that week two road game at Oregon, Northern Illinois, Rutgers, and then at Illinois heading into the Wisconsin game. There's no reason for this team to be anything worse than 4-1, and one, right? Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think Arkansas State, I don't think is – I think they're better than people think, I think. it, But being the first game, it's going to be – Nebraska spending two weeks in prep on that. Oregon's kind of the little wild card. I think I think Nebraska fans would not mind a loss there. It was a close loss. I, I think a win is gravy. Northern Illinois, you know, it's kind of set down with Rod Carey. Rutgers is, is Rutgers. Very much so. Yeah, Illinois only worries me because it's a road game on a Friday night and it's a short week. And, and I and I really think, you know. And I really just dislike the whole Delaney theory on this. Um, and Nebraska can be one of the guinea pigs. In 5-0, and heading into Wisconsin, into a game that is going to be a big recruiting weekend for Nebraska. It's going to be a visibility weekend. They're wearing the 97 throwbacks that weekend um, against a Big Ten West opponent that's pretty much just owned you, you know, save one game. Um, if 5-0... and Going to Wisconsin game would be just absolutely ideal, um, knowing that, you know, Ohio State, you know, it, it, most people said Ohio State's probably just going to run, run train on us. Um, I, I, don't, I think it's going to be closer than people think just because it's in Lincoln. Um, hopefully Joe Bowserman suits up. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> you're bringing back a lot of bad memories for a lot of people. Hey, I, I know, I know, I, I, I do. But 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 I think Ohio State does beat does beat them. Um, and like I said, nine and three should be doable in in this schedule. Um, and let's face it, nine and three, and you sweep you sweep the uh, you sweep the West. I mean, the only real tough West game you have is on the road. Like, and you're not sure how good Flex is going to be with his team. They they may be world beaters. They may you know they may just be the Tony Robinson of the people and think they can just beat everybody, but not have the talent yet. Um, you know. Nebraska versus Iowa on Black Friday at three o'clock should be for the Big Ten West title, um, and I think Nebraska fans would take that in a heartbeat. Um, an Iowa team that really doesn't have an identity on offense—they're pretty probably pretty good on defense with Jewel and everything—but Nebraska should be getting better on defense by that time, and we'll find out what we have with Tanner Lee. Either he's going to be great or he's going to be a a, a, a wiltering um, no go, and somebody else will go. So I, I think definitely. Undefeated going to get into the Wisconsin game. Undefeated going into the Ohio State game really would be ideal for Nebraska. One loss at the most heading into Ohio State. Um, and, and Nebraska fan takes that nine times out of ten. So do you think nine and three is a fair expectation for them this year? Yeah, you know, nine and three is a fair expectation. Ten and two is a fair expectation. Some people say seven and five if it goes bad. I mean, And that's, you know, that's like I said, the beginning of the podcast, I said, you know, we don't know what we have. You know, if this team starts off really bad, seven and five is feasible. Heck, some people are thinking four and eight feasible. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that bad. But at the same time, you know, if Nebraska gets off on a good foot and gets off two and zero. Oh, yeah, definitely nine and three. You even ten and two is feasible. Indy should be, should be the option. I know Wisconsin's the the, the general pick, and I get that. Uh, I, I think Nebraska, if they can play as well as their pot, their able to play i think what indianapolis is really a good goal for this team if they get the indianapolis a season success and um 
you know, it's house money when they when they step on the field and lose the soil. Well, if you want to keep up with anything going on with Nebraska this season and leading up to that game against Ohio State, make sure to visit coronation.com and also give them a follow on Twitter at coronation. You can also listen to their site podcast by searching the Big Red Cobcast. And Brian, where can everybody find you on the internet? Find me on on Twitter at Brian Artole, T-O-W-L-E. You know, we, we, we do have fun with it. We, we, we're, we're a little more lighthearted than everybody else tends to be in the Nebraska media. But, you know, we, we really, you know, and there's a really good, we really have a really good uh, series out now called The Cutting Lane Store. Um, have a guy named Ryan Reuter who really is big on X's and O's, um, studies high school football, works high school coaches and everything like that. And he has torn apart what Nebraska is going to do this year without Tommy Armstrong and how they're going to be, you know, the short yardage plays and everything like that. And uh, his big thing this year, and, and one thing to watch for Nebraska, if you're looking offensive line-wise, how does Nebraska's guard-center-guard combo hold up? Because as they hold up, so will most teams, much less Nebraska. So check that out and check out the Big Red Cobcast. Those guys are in L.A. and they're famous and we're not. I'm not. So uh, they just make me look good. So, yeah, definitely check out all that. And we're, we appreciate you having me on today, Cole. Yeah, thanks for joining. And if you're one of our Ohio State fans listening, make sure to link up and uh, network with some of the people from Coordination if you're planning on heading out to Lincoln. I've had many experiences growing up in Boulder with fans of Nebraska, and they're all extremely nice. I can't say the same for people on my side of that rivalry, but Nebraska fans are always super nice. And if you're an Ohio State fan, link up with some of the people at Coronation if you're headed out to Lincoln this year. And they'll feed you Runza. Yeah, they, they will feed you. They will make sure you are, I guess, hydrated isn't the right word, but they'll make sure you're imbibed with uh, with some drink and uh, a good time. If you like red beer, come to Lincoln. If you don't know what red beer is, well, you'll find out. <laughs> Definitely do that. Make sure to go to Coronation and check everything out that they have analysis-wise. They're the best Nebraska site on the web. Brian, thanks for joining the show, man. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. Nebraska is going to be a wild card team this season, I think, is the the theme for this podcast based off of what Brian is saying. As we mentioned with Tanner Lee, could either be really good, it could be bad, could be in the middle, who knows. But they're moving to a different style of offense, and a lot of their success is going to depend on him. So definitely keep an eye on Tanner Lee and that Nebraska offense this season because how he goes, maybe how the team goes. Defensively, we will see what Bob Diaco brings with that new 3-4. He's one of the most respected minds in the country, so I think it's plausible that Nebraska will be pretty good on defense this year. If you want to get a sneak peek or a tidbit into what Brian and I were talking about with his energy and some of the things he says, go on YouTube and just search Bob Diaco Press Conference, and you'll see some of the most insane quotes from a coach that you have ever heard. It's pretty amazing stuff, and I would highly recommend it for anybody to watch just how crazy Bob Diaco is. But they should be good on defense this year. Once again, make sure to go to coronation.com, follow them on Twitter at coronation, and follow Brian on Twitter at Brian R. Toll. Keep up with everything Nebraska and in the lead-up to the game against Ohio State. That's probably a good place to wrap up this episode want to thank you all for listening to the show today. And keep a lookout because there are two more of these preview podcasts coming your way this weekend. I, I got to get these out before the start of the season. We don't have a lot of time, so 
Got Illinois and Michigan coming to your guys later this weekend. Illinois probably will drop on Saturday or Sunday, and then the Michigan episode on Monday. And then we'll ride into the start of the season. We'll have an Indiana preview for you next week, probably Tuesday, to get you ready for that game and the start of the 2017 season. So a lot of content coming your guys' way. We'll have two podcast episodes a week, at least two podcast episodes a week during the season a preview of each game, and then a recap of each game. So a lot of episodes coming your guys' way. We're getting right into the thick of things. So be on the lookout. Make sure to go to soundcloud.com slash Land and subscribe on Apple Podcasts by searching The Hangout in the Holy Land. If you like the show, tell a friend. Tell them that this is the best Ohio State podcast out on the internet. That is our goal for this thing, and we welcome your feedback. So please drop me a line on Twitter, at DubsCo, and let me know what I can do to make this show the best that it can possibly be. But we appreciate the support and hope that you guys like the show and continue listening to it as we kick off the season. Until next time, though, my name is Colton Denning. This is The Hangout in the Holy Land. The spot was good, and go Bucks. <laughs>